0: Welcome to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I'm your host, writer and comedian Emily Winter, and on today's podcast I'm really excited to have a uh, Pittsburgh comedian, and that is fitting because I am on my way to Pittsburgh tomorrow, Thursday, uh, to perform at Don't Tell Comedy on Friday in Side and Saturday, One Liner Madness, the show that I take all over the country, Uh, will be at Spirit in Lawrenceville and that's 64 comedians going head-to-head in a single elimination joke tournament and one of those comedians is Zach Funk who you will hear on today's episode. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you tell anyone you know in Pittsburgh. I really appreciate that and I hope we have a blast on Saturday. Um, It's always a really fun show so if you are around please come out. Uh, Cool. All right. Enjoy the episode. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have comedian Zach Funk. Zach, welcome to the pod.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me here.
0: Yeah, I am so excited. First of all, you're in Pittsburgh right now, right? Yes, correct. And that I will be in your town soon. I'm very excited. My dad is from Pittsburgh, so it has a special place in my heart. Uh, he will also Ooh. be with me. Um, but you, your story, you were telling me a little bit about your story before we did the pod, and it's wild so i'm gonna let you i'm assuming it also takes place in pittsburgh or are you not from pittsburgh
1: uh no I, I grew up in central pennsylvania in lancaster county like amish country
0: okay oh wow not
1: that long. wow
0: yeah. amazing so do you take it away zach your story is wild
1: okay all right so uh growing up my dad was pretty much my best friend as well um like I remember having car rides where we'd be like essentially what I now realize as doing improv in the car, <laughs> like just joking around, kidding.
0: Just doing um, extended bits.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, he was an attorney, but he always wanted to be a writer. He was very like dry, funny, things like that. Um, helped coach my baseball teams and we were just very, very close.
0: That's wonderful. It's, yeah. What's the, what's the vibe out there in like Amish country? I mean, are you far away, like physically distance wise from like all your friends or like what? No, no, I
1: mean, it's, it's very much like, it's somewhere between the suburbs and being a rural area. For example, like, I think my graduating class of high school was like 300 people. Okay. Um, But at the same time, it was, I think, 98, 99% white.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That
1: kind of thing. Where, like where I grew up, it's about an hour and a half west of Philly.
0: Okay. All right. So it's uh, not like, it's not that there's nothing going on. There's people.
1: Yeah, there, there, there's people, there's things, but at the, at the same time, also like at the high school I went to, uh, you could opt out of taking science and take farming classes.
0: Oh, wow. So Did you my, do that?
1: No, I am, I have the opposite of a green thumb. <laughs> say I, I
0: knew
1: I knew that by the, by the time I was in middle school, I knew I would not, like, I love my family and I go back to visit people every now and then, but I knew I would not be staying there. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, like I remember like one of my one of my good friends from growing up uh is from the quote liberal side of his family because they use electricity.
0: Oh whoa. So like, like, like your own family, people in your own family are no are they Amish?
1: No, no, not in my family, but my my so my friend's family um has like the almost Amish very strict Mennonite family.
0: Okay.
1: Like I remember him telling me going to a family reunion in high school. Um, and no one would talk to him when he had a Game Boy out. Whoa. Uh, and that uh, by ninth or 10th grade, they were already asking, when are you going to get married and start a farm?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That's, I mean, that that's sad to me.
1: Yeah, that, that's not the people, that's not the kind of people I grew up with. Like, right. that's not my family, but that's the area I grew up in.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. not that the whole thing is sad, but just that, like, oh, I just... I wish kids could be kids everywhere, you know,
1: yeah, I- exactly. I'm you know, i'm I'm don't like we need farmers. we need agricultural people. It's just not not for me. and it's a very a uh, very close-minded area, a very conservative area
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, which is also not me. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so and
1: my anyway. dad grew, yeah, my dad oh. grew up closer to the Philly area,
0: okay, okay,
1: uh, like half hour, forty minutes outside of Philly. Um, they, he met my mom because my mom used to work for one of my dad's older brothers. Okay. Um, my mom's a dental, my mom retired recently. She was a dental assistant. My dad's brother was a dentist. So she worked at my uncle's office and that's how they met.
0: Okay, great. Uh,
1: so we were always just really, really close. And then, uh, one day when I was in fifth grade, I was 11, uh, I had an absolutely just ridiculous day at school that has nothing to do really with. with, So this will tell you more about the area I grew up in, because I would remember this day, even if this weren't the day that that my dad had died. Um, It was uh, so it's it's fifth grade. And at the school I went to, your options for lunch are like, oh, you can have lunch A, lunch B, or pack. And you had to tell them so they know how much to make and whatever.
2: Mm hmm.
1: So I guess that day at lunch, they were like to pay for your lunch, you had like lunch tickets. And I guess they were short one lunch tickets. They're just they're like coming around checking all the kids. You know, damn it, someone didn't pay for their food at elementary school. And yeah. 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 And they can't find this missing ticket. So they ask a bunch of the kids to like stand up against the wall and empty their pockets. And it's insane.
0: Just let it go. Just let it go. Let a peanut butter sandwich go, you know
1: exactly and it's fifth grade so kids are starting to learn to be like a smart ass uh so a fee- so some of the kids in my class stood up against the wall in like the stop and frisk position mm-hmm. uh, as a joke and everyone laughed because it was funny and then uh we because they did that and everyone else laughed we were not allowed to go out to recess that day uh we had to stand on the stage of the cafe thing oh no if,
2: you,
1: if you've seen it just in you know stand there quietly until it's time to go out Ugh. So, go to class. So it's uh, it's 1996, which means that if you have a skateboard, you're probably on the drugs. <laughs> and uh, a kid in my class had taken his skateboard to school, and the school said you weren't allowed to have skateboards at school. So the principal, uh, who had taken our fourth grade year off to go and get his doctorate in being a principal uh and when he came back he was the kind of pompous ass that like made the kindergartners call him doctor which i'm sure was really confusing
0: oh my god let it go oh these ridiculous yeah things.
1: so so the principal decides he's gonna bug this kid about having his skateboard at school while we're already all annoyed about we can't go to recess and uh, you know he starts questioning the kid and the kid calls him like man like the kid us some his voice like hey man you know it'll lay, lay back you know kind of thing yeah. and because he's now a doctor he gets very upset um and the kid has glasses and he presses down on the bridge of the kid's glasses with his finger and is like my, like I am a doctor and you will address me as such or something something like that that's the gist of it
2: oh because
1: uh, I, I remember I remember I remember the next two things as direct quotes uh so the um the kid just goes get your finger off my glasses and the principal Picks the kid up with both hands by the neck. Uh, swings him into a trash can uh, while yelling, I'll rip your goddamned head off. What? Yes.
0: This is insane. So
1: this, what this, did you this was, guys all this, do? So th- this was public school. Too, like Not like some private kind of thing. Uh, so we're all just standing there kind of shocked. And then he turns and looks and realizes he just did this in front of like 40 kids.
0: And probably a teacher, right?
1: No, there were no teachers there.
0: Ugh, so annoying, but
1: yeah. Uh, and he just goes like, uh, kids, what I just did was wrong, and you shouldn't do things like that, and you can go out to recess. So we all go outside, and I was i was always a weird, like, overly intellectual kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to make the joke that, like, I got up with the same excitement to watch cartoons on Saturday as I did Meet the Press on Sunday. Like that kind <laughs> of
0: thing. Precocious, a word yeah. that I thought meant a horny child uh, <laughs> and I, within the last couple of years. I think I said it at some point or somebody said it and I was like, oh my God, that kid is horny. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, precocious, it means a horny child, right? No, that's not it. Anyway, you were precocious, the correct uh, intellectual curious, intellectually curious child. Yes.
2: Yeah. So
1: (laughs) while we're outside at recess, I start talking to the kids. And now that I have the terminology, it seems like I was trying to organize a walkout. (laughs) (laughs) What were you saying? Like I was telling other kids like, you know, this isn't okay. And we should none of us should come to school tomorrow at a protest. And like I said, my dad was an attorney. he had been um a public defender and, a, and uh ada and then uh around the time i was born he wanted to be able to like have time for his family so he just did like small family law stuff but i still had a fifth grade understanding of like my dad's a lawyer yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. uh so i'm like my dad's a lawyer and i'm gonna talk to him and you know the principal can't get away with this
0: what were the other kids reactions this is really funny and cute
1: yeah everyone was just kind of like there was a lot of like okay whatever you know great
0: yeah, you're like, that's over, let's just move on with our lives.
1: Yeah. Like I want to yeah. go swing and play dodgeball. Yeah. You
0: know,
1: that kind of thing. Um so uh, you know, we go back to class, the school day ends, and I go home. Uh so I was in fifth grade, and my sister was in kindergarten, and mm-hmm. she would get babysat about a block up the street after school. Um, because I was old, you know, I was old enough to be home by myself for a little bit by my, you know, but mm-hmm. my no. sister was still enough. Yeah, that kind of thing and my dad would get out of work around like 3 30 4 o'clock uh and then he'd always call and say hey i'm getting into work you know walk up the street to go pick up your sister and that day my dad didn't call and like well that's weird but again you know sometimes you get held up at court these things happen and it's like it's 96 he had a beeper
0: <laughs> but... yeah you he couldn't he, yeah he couldn't text you until you yeah
1: yeah uh and then it got to be about five o'clock and my mom got home and that was like, okay, that's weird. Mom never makes it home before dad.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And was like, all right, you know, whatever, go, go get my sister. Um, And then I'm in our next door neighbor's driveway uh, shooting basketball with their kid and the kid's dad. And they're, you know, old friends of ours. We still keep in touch with them. Um, And then all of a sudden I see these two cop cars pull up to my family's house. Oh God. And I try to run inside, and the neighbor's dad, you know, stops me. And then the neighbor dad stops me. Uh, I see the police walk inside, and I just hear my mom screaming the worst scream I've ever heard. Oh my God. Uh, and then about she must have called my uncle, uh, my dad's little brother, who you knew the reason they met. My dad was one of six kids. Um, but. Uh, and then, you know, they eventually let me back inside, and my uncle sits me down and tells me that uh, there was a car accident, and my dad had died. Uh, they believe on impact.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: Um, and then you know, I missed school for two weeks, so I never got to find out what the next day was like after the principal. <laughs>
0: sure that kid probably appreciated you in some way you know i I don't know
1: um and i've always had these weird feelings about like like i'm i'm i try to be very kind to people because i know life's so hard i've dealt with like i've dealt with depression since before my dad died Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um and i take a weird comfort in knowing that like okay good i had that problem before like that made it worse but
2: yeah
1: Uh, and I, so I have this weird thing with like performative kindness when people don't really mean it,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's like,
1: well, you're supposed to be nice. Cause this bad thing happened to someone. And I can remember like having my teacher have all my classmates make like, you know, like uh construction paper, like sympathy cards. And it's like, oh, you're the bully. You would pick on me every day, but now nah, my dad died. So now you feel bad. Oh, thanks. You know? Yeah.
0: Did, you, kind of you, know, did you feel that that was bullshit that yes. happened? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, it. So, so again, to go, to go back to the precocious thing, um, a day or two later, they sent the school district psychologist, uh, or counselor, or whatever, to my house, talked to my sister and I separately. Uh, my, I forget which one they talked to first. Uh, my sister, like I said, that was in kindergarten. So I can understand asking this question to a kindergartner, mm-hmm. uh, but I was in fifth grade and I was overly intellectual for a fifth grader.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the school grief guidance counselor, whatever, sits me down. And the first question she asked me is, do I understand what it means that my dad is dead?
0: Oh, my God. That's really condescending for a 10-year-old, even one who's not particularly uh, advanced.
1: And and so I, I looked her in the eyes, and I told her not to patronize me. Mm. And the look on her face, I will never forget, because it was just that thing of like, oh, my God, this kid's going through the worst thing ever. And he just told me, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What did she say? I
1: don't remember. She was just kind of like, "Oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry." Like, yeah, she was yeah, yeah. Very, uh, you know, yeah, not what she expected. So, um, anyway, so so, you know, my dad dies. Um, uh, life goes on. You know, it's one and it's one of those things where we never found out what caused the car accident. Um, he was driving, we think, from court back to his office. And his car just drifted in the other lane and hit a garbage truck head on. We don't know. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know if he had, like, fallen asleep or got distracted or tried to reach for something or, you know, whatever some,
0: some wheel problem. Yeah. And yeah. your brain, I'm sure, is going crazy about this for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like I didn't get my driver's license until I was either 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, mm. Because it took me about two years to get over having a panic attack at the thought of driving,
2: because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every yeah. time
1: it every time it was, oh, I'm going to make the same mistake my dad made, and I'm mm-hmm. going to get killed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm a very cautious driver still, <laughs> but uh, and you know, uh, and there have been things over the years where, uh, when it comes to the topic of like like ghosts and the spiritual or anything like that, I I generally identify as agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to church as a kid with my dad um went to a Lutheran church but it was always kind of like just be good to people if you're good to people for religious reasons great otherwise just be good to people yeah
0: it if was never dog. Do it, just, just be nice and we'll still you're fine yeah yeah
1: it, it was never like dogmatic and I remember it never really made sense to me as a kid and there was a lot of like well it'll make sense when you're older and then turns out it never did uh, <laughs> and there have been times where over the years like my mom and my sister have said like they could feel my dad around and I I've never ever had that feeling yeah uh, or I had a good friend in college who said she was very sensitive to to ghosts, spirits, things like that. And you know, I knew we haven't seen her walk because we don't live. She's lived in Pittsburgh anymore, but you know, she was my friend living in town for like six, seven years. And someone that you know well enough, where like, all right, unless they're a sociopath, they at least feel these things. They're not making this stuff up for attention.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: So, so my stance on anything like that uh, is if someone's trying to profit off it, especially I'm skeptical
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, that's just my distrust of capitalism, I guess, uh, Fair. but I don't think things are impossible. Uh, I like to say that um, I, used to, I, I used to have this job working at a Lowe's hardware store
2: mm-hmm. and I worked
1: in the paint department. And the one day they're having me train this new guy and I tell him, all right, you know, here's how to use the paint mixing machines, go grab a color chip off the wall. And we'll make a little thing of it to show you how it all works. So he goes over the wall, grabs this green color and says, here's a nice flesh tone. And I said, all right, either you're a Martian or you're colorblind.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm colorblind. So he so in the same sense that he had to trust that I could see that green and he couldn't. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I look at the idea of of like sensing things.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful analogy
1: is that just because i don't feel it doesn't mean it's impossible. Right. Uh but until i feel or experience something i am definitely going to be at least skeptical in in many situations.
0: Fair. Um also i thought this may end up being a story about you meeting an alien. Well, like I <laughs> no. think you're it. story and like okay okay no this isn't an analogy. Got it, got it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that that's kind of how i try to look at that kind of stuff is You know, just because I don't I don't feel it, I don't experience it doesn't mean people are necessarily lying. You know, I believe my mom, and my sister, when they say they have felt my dad around. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I've never experienced. Uh, So, you know, life goes on. Uh, Eventually, in 2011, I start doing stand up. And I remember one of my early goals in stand up was to talk about my dad's death in a way that wasn't just self-indulgent. Yes. And like actually had material for it.
0: (laughs) And, you know, it's so hard um, to deal with grief and stand up when you don't have the skill set yet. Like when you when you're new and when you start. Yeah. You don't have you just don't have the stand up experience. But you have this like insane thing that happened to you and your family and you want to talk about it. So it takes takes a minute to to get it to, to nail it.
2: Yeah,
1: and, and a lot of my comedy is very personal and very story based. Uh like I talk a lot about mental illness and things like that and trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, be funny, but also like explain it and destigmatize it and things like that.
0: That's wonderful. Uh
1: so I eventually wrote this bit that I, I'm really happy with how it came out. Uh about, you know, when when you lose someone in a, a random, unexplainable accident, it sucks that there's no foundation for that. You know, if you know somebody that gets cancer, all right, I'm buying pink everything. Yeah, because I care about my friend.
0: Oh, I get it. There's no like, yeah, organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like emotional foundation, but actual organization. Yeah, yeah. That's like for uh, the random accident club. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so uh, my my dad was Richard Funk. So yes, my dad's name was Dick Funk. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I eventually. So the the premise of the bit was I am now creating the uh, the Dick Funk Society for shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I it was a good way to, to talk about like that you know that feeling of not being in control of your life
0: did it ever feel like you were even less in control when your mom and your sister would say I felt him like did you feel left out of that experience
1: not necessarily
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I mean it's it's something that I you know I certainly would like to um because like like I, I, like I said I'm i am generally agnostic um, I have friends that are very religious from from other from various beliefs, um, and my stance has always been: if it helps you be a better person and you don't use it to hurt other people, great.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. know, whether
1: whether I think it's real or not, like like I, I remember uh, like having kids in high school threatened to beat me up because they found out I wasn't Christian, and then I'd tell them, hey, you know, Jesus was a pacifist, right? And then they'd be like, well, yeah, but uh, you know.
0: <laughs> They have nothing to say to that, like an 80s movie or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. It, it's very much the um, like there's this great Kurt Vonnegut quote,
2: um,
1: about how, you know, like if if, if what G, if what Christ said was good, does it matter whether, if he was God or not? Like if it if it helps you be a better person, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's
1: yeah. kind of how I try to live my life
0: also he was the biggest advocate of kindness that's his like number one message in yes
1: marriage, yeah and know? I would I would point that out to people who were you know like oh screw these people screw these people that the people that you know they treat everybody like crap but they go to church on Sunday so it's okay
0: uh yes I know it makes me crazy any yes yes it all makes me crazy so
1: but I, I had a lot I, I had a lot of doing uh, it
0: too in my own ways and I don't even realize it you know
1: so I, I had a lot of combative issues with that in high school uh mm-hmm. being the person who was you know, not trying to pick fights about stuff. I I I don't ever want to be the the non-believer that's like, hey, you're wrong, but you know. But if you're a jerk about it, I'm willing to call you on your shit. <laughs> so, uh, life goes on, and um, you know, I like I said mental health is is a really uh, big aspect of, of mental illness, I should say, or mental health is a is a big aspect of my life. Um, and I have a lot of mental illness on both sides of my family um, that people don't really talk about because both sides of my family were, you know, you don't talk about things that are problems.
0: Right. Well, I Uh, mean, Pennsylvania and they're boomers. Like I'm Midwestern progeny of boomers. Like it's just, you don't talk, everything is against talking about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that both of my parents, uh, my dad, when he was still here and my mom since then really did try to work to break that cycle that, uh, say it was okay to talk about your feelings and you know that kind of thing
2: yeah
1: um and that helped me so much and helps me help other people uh growing up in that thing growing up in an environment where you're told you know it's okay to be a person that's
2: wonderful
1: Uh, yeah but it's still something I've always struggled with um I very thankfully uh survived what was basically a suicide attempt in college oh
0: wow I'm so sorry
2: Uh, good for you
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where uh, I've always had insomnia problems. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: when I was in college, my doctor gave me a script for Ambien. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And eventually I built up a tolerance to it and started taking more. And the one night it was like, all right, either this will kill me or put me to sleep. I don't care. I'm just taking a few of these. Mm -hmm. And I ended up uh, surviving, obviously, but like I threw up black cram black, which means you have internal bleeding.
2: Oh, God.
1: Uh, and like, I didn't tell anybody for months.
0: Wow. So, what um, did, how did you, you just recuperated on your own?
1: Yeah. Like, 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 really, it was, it was this thing of, you know, I was so messed up on the, because you're not thinking straight, you're in an ambient. So, it was, you know, I had that thought like, all right, again, I just want to stop. I, I like to describe it as someone closing their eyes and running across a highway. They don't know for sure they're going to get hit by a car, but there's yeah. a good chance.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh So, you know, I took the stuff I took, eventually fell asleep. I think I woke back up, like, maybe 20 minutes later, and I felt like I had to throw up. So I go to the bathroom, and I throw up, again, like, black crayon, like, everywhere. Uh, I found out the, like, medical, uh not official medical term, but, like, the medical slang for that. They call it uh, coffee grounds. Okay. Because it kind of has, like, the consistency of that and it looks like that. Oof. Um... And then, because I was just so messed up, both from the pills and being depressed, uh, I just went back to bed. Yeah. And the next day, I woke up and I was like, "All right, I can, I can taste vomit. Definitely threw up." But I'd heard stories about people hallucinating on Ambien as well, so the denial stuff kicks in. Oh, there's no way I threw up black. That can't happen, you know. Yeah. And I remember getting all in the toilet, and I uh, yeah I did not get it all in the toilet. So I Mm -hmm. just just, like oh no definitely okay I threw up black. Yeah, there was evidence. And then yeah like I said I just I was I had my own dorm room, so I didn't you know was able to clean up and hide it, and I just didn't tell anyone for months. Uh, so uh, I I mentioned that uh, just for for more kind of general family history stuff for both Mm -hmm. myself and outside. So in uh, during the COVID lockdown. Mm Uh, my sister, uh, I will describe as not religious but, but spiritual in the same way, like I said, she just said she can feel things around and, um, and things like that. So she finds out from a cousin, uh, a cousin on my mom's side, uh, whose dad died in an accident as well. Uh, that she had talked to some medium and, and she was like a really good person to talk to, and they had, you know, Basically, she thought they really had channeled like her father.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So my sister schedules a Zoom appointment because it's COVID, right? <laughs> uh, with this lady, and uh, my sit. Now, I had always my mindset has had always been, you know, I knew my dad had some some mental illness issues, um, just because everybody in my family does, mm-hmm. um, and. and you know, it being a suicide via car accident would have been a logical explanation. Um, but I never believed that would have been the truth. And it's like, okay, it's possible, but I don't believe that that was what would have happened.
0: And and why? Because that just wasn't the narrative, or
1: it well, because there were so many things that like we had had planned already. Mm, okay. Uh, in the sense of like like the next month we were going to do this like my school was going to do this like week like three day like. You camp and learn about nature and blah, that kind of thing. And yeah. like my dad had volunteered to chaperone that. Yeah. And we were getting ready. It was the beginning of April. So uh, we both loved baseball and we were getting, and I played baseball and he would help coach my team. So we were talking about the new baseball season starting and what we we're going to do about that. And
0: so it feels like a pretty uptime. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It does not feel, it. it, it there, there were, there was enough concrete things that, you know, it didn't it didn't feel like this was someone like checking off things to, to do before they go.
0: Right, 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 right. Okay.
1: Because my very overly analytical mind was always just like, okay, that, that would be an explanation, but I don't think that's what it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: so my sister though tells me she never questioned it. So she does this Zoom session with this medium lady. And according to my sister, she said she said uh she just something com- felt compelled her to ask it wasn't really an accident.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the medium said it was not. Wow. So my sister, I, I don't know how the rest of the conversation goes, uh, but my sister holds on to this for like a few months, and is questioning things, doesn't tell anybody. And then the one day in uh, 2021, in like late February, she just is kind of like, fuck it and confronts my mom about it. Yeah. And my mom told her the truth that, uh, yeah, my dad's death was a suicide. And that he had left a suicide note and a letter uh, that only my mom and my uncle uh, knew about for 25 years.
0: Oh, my God. How? Where did he leave it? Like, what?
1: I think he left it in, like, the dresser, um, I from what my mom said. And <sighs>
0: uh,
1: he, the gist of what they told me, because eventually they, they kept the letter for a while, but eventually they destroyed it. Um, because their thought was they had no plans on ever telling anyone, um, because that was one of the things he requested.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: like, like he, like he requested my mom not even telling me. Like, my, like my uncle wasn't supposed to know. But my mom had to tell mm-hmm.
0: somebody. Yeah. Fair. 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 Fair.
1: Uh, and uh, he didn't really give an explanation other than he just felt something was broken in him that was unfixable. Oh, that's
0: uh, so, so sad. And so relatable.
1: Yeah. yeah. No. I. Yeah so i don't know if it was just mental health or if he was having like identity issues or or you know i mean who knows what it could be mm-hmm. um and i keep meaning to it's it's such a weird thing to bring up to talk to my family and be like hey i know you destroyed the letter can you describe what you remember because i really want to know because i'm just one of those people like yes give me the information even if it's bad information i want to know
0: yeah yeah
1: and uh it's just there is there's little things they said um and he in, in one point i guess he even said in the letter cuz like i said i remember my mental health issues starting before his death mm-hmm. um that he i guess even said like make sure i get taken care of because he sees issues in me that he recognizes in himself
0: oh gosh well that's scary to learn you're like no
1: <laughs> which I mean it didn't surprise me yeah um, yeah but it's like, it's, but and it it makes it more complicated knowing that he could recognize that I had those issues, and like like I'm never gonna be one that says, you know, as someone who has survived a suicide attempt, I, I talked my first person out of suicide in tenth grade. I've done about five people. I've done that for about five people now. Um, and when I say like talk, I mean like in tenth grade, going to my friend's house at two in the morning to convince him to let me take him to the hospital.
0: Oh my god, good for you.
1: Yeah well the thing the thing is is when you um when you deal with mental illness and grief from very young age you're either going to become really compassionate or really bitter Mm -hmm. Uh, and Mm -hmm. i'm fortunate that i got the compassionate side
0: well it's also Um, partially choice you know
1: Oh, definitely it is yeah there's there's the thing of you can when when you feel that suffering um you can say, you know, I know I can't totally stop it, but if I can help make things better for other people, like, like years ago, I had this job at a group home and, uh, taking care of intellectual disabled adults. That was my first job out of college.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you work a lot of temps at that job because it's super high turnover.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the one night I'm working with this lady, I'm going to say late fifties, early sixties. She was a temp, never saw her before, never saw her again. hmm And the whole night, she just looked really sad. And we were working till 11. And by like 830, all the clients were in bed. Everything was done. It's just wait out the clock and make sure like the house isn't burned down.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I said, we're like, hey, I know I'm a stranger. uh, So if you're not interested in this, no offense taken. But like, you look like something's really bothering you. And we've got nowhere to go. So if you want to talk, I'm glad to listen. And it turns out her sister had died like three days before oh bring that
0: up to ask you
1: know yeah so so we talked about like grief for for two hours um and then you know when the shift was done she told me that uh she you know she thanked me and she told me that uh she thought god had sent her to that house that night to work uh so she could talk to me like that's how much it meant
0: oh my god and
1: and again whether you know whether i believe that's the case or whether we randomly happen just to work together I'm glad I could help someone in, in a rough time. Yeah, you know, you know we can't be—it's not, it's not a thing about like being martyrs. We can't all save the world or anything like that. But the idea of just putting aside your petty human bullshit and recognizing that life hurts, yeah, um, is is very important. So, um,
0: does it I mean, make I, you feel when you learn this? And now you've had a couple of years to marinate on this information about your dad. Does it make you feel differently about him?
1: Very much so, yeah. I yeah. I have really I have really conflicted feelings. Um I am I am so thankful for the person that he was and the influence he had on my life. Um it's it's a weird thing to say. I don't have any bad memories of him. Now I understand that could also just be a matter of, you know, the brain chooses what to remember. And when you lose somebody like that, it's not gonna hold on to the bad stuff. Um and as someone who understands mental illness on a, on a very personal level, um, my heart breaks for the guy. Um, but at the same time, uh, as his son, I have a lot of anger.
0: Yeah, fair. Um, uh,
1: for for doing that to to my mom, to my sister, to me. The fact that that he recognized I was dealing with these things and still chose to do that. Yeah. Uh you know the 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 angry part of me. Uh, the best way I can sum it up is, uh, he, whatever whatever was going on inside him, he hated himself more than he loved us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I don't or I don't question he couldn't,
0: he couldn't think clearly enough to put the priorities in order.
1: Yeah. And and I know my dad is somebody what was somebody who was very meticulous. Like if he took a family vacation, it was like all right, here's the itinerary, here's the plan. Okay. Uh, he kept journals. He was he he was not good at impulsive things.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: which also then, you know, there's a difference between, uh, like okay, the house is empty. I'm going to shoot myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and causing a car accident staging a car accident effectively later in the day and leaving a note because that also means he had the entire day to change his mind
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the fact that he could have endangered other people by doing it that way too
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: so it's it's like i said as as uh you know intellectually uh my heart breaks for him but the emotions i, I have a lot of anger
0: do you feel like, I mean, I guess my reaction to that is that that's good and normal. That's okay. You know, Yeah, like, that, that, you feel that's like how I Trying feel. to get rid of that or no, do you feel like, that's I, like you can hold both things? Uh,
1: yeah. I, I I'm, uh, I'm generally good at holding contradictory ideas. Like, you know, two contradictory things can both be true. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, I'm not a person that likes being angry. I don't want to, I don't like to hold on to anger. Like my sister at this point says she isn't angry anymore and that is you know i'm very happy for her and my mom says she's not angry because at least my sister and i are still here and you know she's told me that like they like two three years before he died they had like a really rough year but the last year of his life like their relationship was at the best it had ever been practically and so you know she wonders if that was had things gotten better or he just made up his mind and it it didn't matter anymore
0: yeah yeah uh, or maybe he saw like the light at the end of the tunnel and so he could appreciate the things around him for knowing that the end was in sight that there wouldn't be like tons and tons of pain to go through
1: yeah, exactly so there's a lot of different a lot of different things
0: um is this and, change
1: your, oh go ahead sorry no no go ahead you first
0: um, does this change your idea or your relationship to spirituality, knowing that your sister got this information out of a medium on Zoom?
1: It it definitely complicates it. Uh, and and I've worked this aspect into a stand-up bit as well. <laughs> um talking about uh so so when I talk about it on stage now, first it starts off like, you know, we all learned a lot about ourselves over COVID. Um you know, for example, I found out the car accident my dad died when I was 11. uh, it was actually a suicide. Uh, and I am so thankful that I learned that when I was on unemployment.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah.
1: Because uh, otherwise, at the, before that, I'd still been working at Lowe's. And so I wrote this bit about, like, imagine trying to, like, make that call off of work at a big box <laughs> retail hardware store. Being like, oh, yeah, hey, it's Zach. I mean, did they offer to you? I just found out my dad killed himself. Uh, when? when? Uh, 25 years ago. <laughs> uh, no no i knew he was dead no it's not that no uh you know you're putting me on hold don't put me on hold they put you on hold and cats in the cradle starts playing and then they get back to you and they're like oh yeah sorry uh there's there's nothing in the hr book about old family secrets you have to come in tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and you know then word gets around work and some well-meaning person gets you like a sympathy card you know and it's it's Garfield and the outside of the card says so you have to recontextualize 25 years of childhood trauma (laughs) Uh, and then the inside of the card says but at least it's not a Monday (laughs) uh and and then then I'll further explain on stage the whole thing of like and this didn't come up because my family decided it was you know time for my sister and I to know this came up because my sister talked to a, a medium online so now not only do I have to recontextualize my entire past I have to figure it out did someone online get a 50 50 guess right or are ghosts <laughs> real
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no there's god <laughs>
1: yeah like like it's like oh great now i have to figure out like I've, I've got the personal things and the existential things this is exciting right
0: Right. good thing there's a three-day weekend coming up uh yeah, yeah again
1: very thankful i was on unemployment at the time
0: <laughs> <laughs> um holy so that god.
1: that was kind of that whole thing of i it's and my sister has told me she still has the, the the medium's info, and she said if she ever want to, she'll be glad to even pay for my session if I ever want to talk to her. And I've definitely thought about it. And it, it, it's one of those things where I I try to have a somewhat scientific mind to things, uh, like, again, when it comes to the idea of belief in ghosts, uh, outside of the I've never felt anything. One of the things that keeps me from being 100% this is impossible uh, is the the law of conservation of energy is that you know energy cannot be created or destroyed it only changes okay. and our brains are just electricity and mush like we don't understand how consciousness exists there's no real explanation for it so if energy cannot be created or destroyed when we die that energy has to go somewhere uh does that energy have form does it have consciousness i have no clue <laughs> um but that's also one of the things that keeps me in the like, all right, I don't think it's entirely impossible, but again, anyone trying to to make money or promise, if you do this, you'll get into heaven. Or if you do that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, anytime, you know, belief and hope is used to manipulate people, I'm going to have a problem with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, when it's a, when hope is a business, then that's scary.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, but I, I think this is like so interesting. Yeah. Talking to somebody who is, you know, sort of open but not that into it and then to have this medium sort of rock your world is pretty pretty wild
1: yeah it it is it is like it is ludicrous if, if this if my life were in a movie or a story i'd be like no there's no way that yeah, actually
0: yeah happen. yeah absolutely oh my gosh well this has been an amazing podcast so and was there anything else that you want to talk about before we do- um
1: no i mean that that kind of covers that that stuff i guess i'm still i'm still working on the bit still refining it it's it's crazy to think. So in, in uh 2019, I recorded my first album uh called Brains Are Weird. You can find it all over the place online. Right. And the old jokes about my dad's death are are on my album, and it's crazy to think that I have to update those jokes and like retract those jokes. Being like, oh, sorry, turns out new information.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, I would have been a topical news uh, writer if I would have known that I was going to have to update jokes about dead people. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: and, and so if I ever do a second album, I'm just thinking I'll get to some, somehow address that. And I also think that uh, that idea is going to, if I ever do a second album, is going to, I think I've already cited my title if I ever do it. What
2: is it?
1: Um... So there's a there's a Karl Marx quote that uh, you know, it's right there by saying quoting Karl Marx is really gonna endear myself to conservatives, I know. Uh, but he he says, like he comments on um, I think it's the philosopher Hegel talked about history repeating itself. Uh, and uh, Marx says what he failed to say is history repeats itself first is tragedy, second is farce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about losing my dad two different times now is that i had the tragedy and then i had the global pandemic online psychic (laughs) media
0: and you're like come on
1: (laughs) yeah so uh if i ever do another album uh especially because that would be my second album uh i think my second album if i ever do one will be called second the second time as farce
0: (laughs) i love that oh and even an intellectual title that's yeah. wonderful well zach plug anything else you would like to plug socials or whatever and yeah. uh
1: so you can find me online at uh letter z uh f-u-n-k y-e-h-a z funk yeah like fuck yeah but you know different uh also i am the co-host uh usually the co-host of a youtube channel that my uh my roommate one of my oldest friends runs uh called is it worth a sandwich <laughs> Uh, which we don't do a lot of sandwich episodes lately. Uh, but so my my roommate at 38 is my old college roommate because life is secular sometimes.
2: <laughs>
1: and when we were broke college students, you'd have those nights of like, all right, I can eat dinner or I can buy like a $7 used PlayStation game. Uh, so that became our metric of like, whether something was was worth your time is, is it, like, is this worth a sandwich? Would I be better off like watching this movie or having a sandwich or yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing? <laughs> uh, so the, so that's what this channel is named after. Uh so we do a lot of uh gameplay videos. We uh make original nerdy themed cocktails. Um cuz he and I both work at different Pittsburgh based distilleries.
2: Oh, so yeah. uh
1: so we have a lot of fun like we'll pick a movie or a TV show we really like and make character like make cocktails inspired by characters or props or things like that.
0: What distillery do you work at?
1: Uh so the one I work for is called Wiggle Whiskey. mm mm-hmm. Mhm uh unfortunately unless you're in Pennsylvania or Washington DC uh we can't ship to you because Pennsylvania alcohol laws are like that
0: okay uh
1: yeah it's it's weird we can ship to DC because DC is not a state
0: oh that's so interesting I never thought of that but I just I'll be in town soon so I'll have to check out some wiggle whiskey especially knowing that you can't get it anywhere else you know (laughs) like spotted cow in Wisconsin
1: and then yeah otherwise I think that's all the stuff I have to plug just uh if you're listening uh if you're feeling depressed if you're feeling you know suicidal the thing that i try to remind myself when i have those things um cuz it's something i i know i will struggle with it my entire life it's just it's you know it sucks but it's just it's part of what it is uh so the thing i like to remind myself and i remind anyone else is uh, i don't i don't like the phrase it gets better because it gets better to me implies things will stay better mm-hmm. <laughs> And that always bothered me because I had all these people after my dad's death. Oh, things are going to be fine. It's going to be, it's like, oh, no, it's, you you know, there's a new normal. Right. Right. Uh, So what I like to remind myself and other people is uh, now is not forever. Yeah. Uh, Things will change. They might get better. They might get worse. I promise nothing.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. right, Uh, Right. Right.
1: But but how you feel today is not necessarily how you will feel tomorrow. And the only way you're going to find that out is if you're still here. That's Uh, so beautiful. So just, you know, talk to your friends, talk to, you know, there's numbers you can call. There's people in your life that that love you. Uh, you You are human and you matter. So, you know, if you're anyone out there listening that deals with mental health issues, just keep fighting the good fight and I'm proud of you.
0: So much, Zach. This has been. I'm so happy to have talked to you today.
1: No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to comedians with ghost stories. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find it, and as great, it, it also helps me survive another day in this hard world. If you want to throw me a follow, I'm at Emily MC Winter on Instagram and Twitter. Have a great day.